0: This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers.
1: You wanna exceed their expectations. So putting a deadline on you allows you failure. Most people love to buy. So what we need to learn as a sales organization is to stop selling and to assist customers to buy. And I've never worked with a brand as a customer that knows me no matter where I go. In general, if you can deliver the same or a better outcome with less interaction with the customer, which is a little bit counterintuitive, that is better for the customer. Because how do you get to, to happy customers? Happy employees is where you start.
0: This is Customer Experience Leaders, and I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. Hey there, I'm Michael Momsen. This week, we have a blockbuster special episode for you. We've gone back through the archive of all of the customer experience leaders episodes so far and we're going to unpack what we've learned from talking to 40 world-class customer experience leaders we've distilled all of the key takeaways there was over 150 of them and basically built them into key themes to give you a roadmap a guide if you will on how to build an organization and effective teams that deliver great customer experience every single time
2: Absolutely, I'm really looking forward to this conversation And when we compiled this guide We actually realized that it was more than just 17 things that you need to do Or a list of 8 big trends you should be aware of So what we've done is we've built you a customer experience flywheel It's basically a guide and we can't wait to unpack and jump into this episode To share with you the customer experience flywheel
0: So, when we started going through this process of reflecting on what we've learned over the past 40 episodes, we realized that there were a few reoccurring themes from all of those interviews. And so, we decided that we wanted to create a resource which sums up all of the incredible learnings and takeaways from our 40 conversations with world-class customer experience leaders. And so, to create this best of episode, we looked back through all of the previous interviews, the episode transcripts, and summarized all of the key takeaways. And what we've come up with is really quite incredible. We ended up with a summary of the key foundational themes which matter for organizations wanting to deliver incredible customer experience. Now, what we came up with were these 24 foundational themes. But what we didn't want to do is just kind of dump 24 different points um, in an episode back to back and say, you know, the, the holistical thing, right? Um, and uh, and so, we kind of went a step further and, and thought a bit more holistically about how this fits into a broad model. And so, that's really how we came up with the customer experience flywheel. Um, you know, it's not a, a flowchart. It's not just a list of things you have to do. It's not a hierarchy, but it is a flywheel, both visually and metaphorically. Uh, Visually, you know, if you can imagine this, it's a circular diagram with three major elements that revolve around a central spoke in the middle. And metaphorically, it's a flywheel because all of the elements are interlinked with one another. And so, if you work on this and continually improve it, it will become self-reinforcing and gain momentum over time. And so, before we jump into, you know, what it's about, Mike, maybe do you want to run us through the the context for um, for why we came up with it this way?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think a good place to start is this sort of concept of viewing how to win a customer and how to keep a customer happy. So, in the old world, um, it was all about price, product, promotion, and placement. And if you did these Ps, then you would win a loyal customer, and in that old world, if you sort of think of the funnel is attracting and winning the customer. So you'd sort of have marketing and <laughs> maybe spamming out your message to attract a customer. And then you'd have sales to win and, and close um, the customer or sales to transact. And then you would service them. And then at the bottom of the funnel, if you, sort of, if you can sort of visualize a collection of customers. Now, some of them will probably, you know, drip out and you'll lose them. Um, some won't go through that funnel. And then ideally, you want people to go back through that funnel and transact as a loyal customer. And so in the old world, we really saw it as attracting and selling and then servicing them. And then there's sort of a a transactional focus um, in this funnel. And that old world has disappeared. It's vanished. Like all the research now tells us to win a loyal, happy customer, you have to deliver on customer experience. And customer experience is the most important thing. It's often been described as the experience economy, where you're charging not for distinctive goods, you're not charging for unique services, you're charging for the feeling that customers get from interacting with you. And in a model where you're an experienced business, or you want to thrive in this experience economy, the old model of a funnel doesn't work anymore. <laughs> this old model of like, I'm going to attract them, I'm going to sell them, I'm going to do the bare minimum service. Um, and I'm going to sort of throw them through this funnel to win a customer that doesn't work uh, in, in, in the new world. Yeah, so this flywheel is about the relationship. It's a relationship focus, not a funnel where it's the transaction focused where you've got a funnel with the customer at the bottom. And in our customer experience flywheel, we had the customer at the center and there's three core themes that revolve around the customer, which are ever evolving, which are always needing to continue to improve and get better. And number one, it starts with great leadership and we're gonna unpack each one, but it starts with leadership. And then from leadership, it goes to people. And the people in your organization getting the right people on board training them equipping them empowering them and then processes so ensuring that all the right processes are in place which then goes back into leadership to make sure that everything is optimized and continually getting better both people and processes and so this flywheel of leadership into people into processes with customers at the heart is something that we're really looking forward to unpacking today and is very much the output of all our 40 conversations so far. And we really see this as the ideal guide for you to take a look at and map out where you are and where your organization is today with regards to this customer experience flywheel. And at the end of this episode, you'll be able to get started straight away. The last thing I mentioned before we jump in is that what we're describing is quite visual <laughs> and there's a lot of points here. And one of the things that we've heard from some of our listeners actually recently is that you guys deliver a great podcast with great content. It would be excellent to see some written content to follow up with blog posts, etc. So I'm proud to announce that we'll uh, kick off this episode with a visual overlay and a written overlay of what we've got here. And so the content from this episode will all be at our website, at our blog. So you can just go to rateitapp.com forward slash flywheel for the content and a visual overview of this flywheel, which you can share. And so with that, let's jump into it.
0: All right, well, let's start out at the the heart of the flywheel, which is uh, a focus on the customer. And so, we were really inspired uh, in this section by our interview with Jason Bradshaw from Volkswagen. They had this internal process about, you know, knowing the customer and caring for them and delivering them value, et cetera, et cetera. And this resounding theme came through, uh, which was, you know, that customer experience really is at the heart of it, very emotional and it's about how the customer feels at every point of interaction along that process. So, what we did is we looked at our 40 episodes of content and unpacked what is it that the customer actually wants. And so, we came up with these six themes. The first is know me. Um, and so, that's really about you know, not making the customer repeat themselves and, and actually having that relationship aspect to it. And there's a great quote from our interview with Blake Morgan, which was on episode number 8, where she talks about knowing your customer better.
1: So knowing your customer and getting technology that allows you to know who your customer is, where they are, and even predict what they need. Because Omni Channel, it might be a buzzword, but we don't do it. And we definitely don't do it well. Because Omni means all. And I've never worked with a brand as a customer that knows me no matter where I go. I do have to repeat myself at almost every turn. And that's not an ideal experience because that's making me work as a customer.
0: The second is care for me. And so this is investing in a relationship rather than a transaction and actually looking out for what the customer wants as their end goal, not just um, what's happening in that exact moment. Number three is Deliver Me Value. And we're really inspired on this one from our episode with Eric Almquist from Bain & Company, where we talked about the B2B elements of value. And that was episode number 34 for reference. And it's a really great interview where we delve deep into all of the different elements which customers derive value from in a business transaction. So, definitely check that one out. Number four is Be Easy to Work With. And so, this is about making the entire process really seamless and removing friction from every single interaction. Number five was put me in control.
2: Yeah, and what I really like about this is it's- having a customer-centric view of your processes rather than forcing a customer to go through whatever your processes or policies are, it's allowing the customer to be in control of their journey. And I think what really stood out for us was episode 35 with Yucko, and we talked about how to build customer-centric sales teams. And a lot of that was around using the right approach that was having the customer in control of that sales process as opposed to forcing them down your funnel.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I actually have a great quote from Yako van der Koy here, which illustrates this point perfectly. Sales comes
1: down to something very simple, Michael. And you know, like I'm already wasting too many words on it as I lead into it because it's as simple as this. Most sales organizations are focused on selling. Yes. And people hate being sold. That's true. Most people love to buy. So what we need to learn as a sales organization is to stop selling and to assist customers to buy.
0: And number six was impress me. And so, this is, you know, the, the wow factor. And so, this came up a number of times. We, we spoke to Nancy Friedman about it. We spoke to Kylie Ward about it. And so, this is about firstly setting the expectation with the customer on, on what it is that, you know, when you're going to deliver something by a certain time frame or what quality they should expect. Obviously, you need to meet that expectation. But, you know, going that extra step and, and delivering that wow factor and exceeding uh, their expectation. And I guess a quick note here that's worth mentioning is that exceeding expectations doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be world-changing. You know, you don't need to move mountains. To impress me, you just need to over-deliver on the level of service that I thought I would receive. You know, you need to exceed the expectation that I had. And there's a great example of this, um, which is from our third episode with Peter Wagstaff, where he told us a story about something that, you know, would usually be quite a mundane purchase process. He was buying a book online. And so, in this clip, his expectations were exceeded. But listen out specifically for how Peter describes the emotion, which exemplifies this impress me item.
1: A book that I was looking for, and I, uh, I was online looking for this particular title that I wanted to buy, tracked down a, um, a retailer in the UK, through eBay and I um, thought I'm gonna save a few dollars and, and they're promising quick turnaround delivery. So I ordered from this place in the UK and it was a Sunday night. Wednesday morning, two and a half days later, the book was in my hands. Wow. And it just was one of those things that just totally blew me away. I saved money, the book found its way to me fast, just far exceeded my expectations. I got what I wanted at the best price in the quickest possible time.
2: And so the way that we sort of think about it is if it's a flywheel and you have all the spokes holding the three themes, leadership and people and processes, at the heart of it, what all this needs to serve, what the leadership needs to serve, what the processes and what your people need to serve is the customer and these are the six things that they want. Know me, care for me, deliver me value, be easy to work with, put me in control of the journey and ultimately like impress me as well. <laughs> like I want to walk away with a great memory here. So at the heart of it, this is the core of the flywheel. This is what the customer wants. If we deliver these six things, then we really are delivering a great customer experience.
0: All right. Well, let's jump into the first external element of the flywheel, which is leadership. So really at the heart, leadership is powering customer-centric
2: growth. That's really the goal of. Uh, leadership and and really the foundation that came through very clearly in a, a lot of episodes was knowing your why, knowing your purpose.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that was actually really exemplified quite early on in our podcast series when we spoke to Lawrence Mitchell from Sumo Salad in Episode 2. Now, Sumo Salad is a health-focused, quick-service restaurant business. And what's interesting is they were very clear on what their brand purpose was. Listen here to Lawrence explain how their purpose is about more than just selling lunch.
1: I think it starts by having a purpose as a business that customers increasingly feel that you're doing good in society. So we tick that box. You Mm. know, our mission is to make Australia healthier and happier. Mm. Our new brand promise is fueling greatness because ultimately our product fuels greatness. People feel
2: much better. People feel amazing. So we're not just selling lunch. We're selling health. Yeah, it really starts with the leadership being clear about why are you in this business? What's your overall purpose? And ideally, that should roll up into a greater community and social impact, right? So um, ensuring that the people, both your staff and your customers feel like that they're part of something bigger because of this relationship with your brand, um, which delivers on your purpose. And then the next step, number two, is that the leadership is investing in customer outcomes. And this is primarily measured in customer lifetime value. So we're not just having a transaction Transactional view, uh, but we're taking this long-term view of if we get this customer experience right, then our overall revenue from this customer is going to increase in time because we're investing in the lifetime of the customer, not the transaction.
0: Yeah. And one of my favorite examples of this was in episode number five, when we spoke to David Buttle, who runs one of Australia's leading real estate agencies. And he told us this is a really wonderful story, which shows how he goes above and beyond for his clients. And so, when you listen to this, I want you to specifically think about the fact that, you know, this is not a, a short-term revenue generator. You know, this is something that is a long-term play. He's always thinking about the customer lifetime value.
1: A lot of people don't actually realize the, the, the extra little bits that you do. I carry a vacuum cleaner around in the back of my car. Because wow. a lot of the property, a lot of the property <laughs> we <laughs> sell is, is vacant. You have three weeks of people, you know, walking in and out of a house. Leaves get in, dirt gets in on shoes, etc. Um, and a light-colored carpet can really start to show the effects uh, after a couple of inspections. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I will go down to all property and vacuum it to make sure that it's ready for the next inspection. I'll grab the vacuum cleaner and I'll go down and I'll vacuum it. It's Twenty minutes of my life. But I'm not going to come back and make a big song and dance about that to the vendor anyway. Basically, they will never know. <laughs> Often they don't. Sometimes they do, and, and you know they're the sort of person that will turn around and tell their friends, and they'll say, "You wouldn't mm. believe what you know what David, my agent, did for you know before the inspection." And that's just you know that's just good uh, building good rapport with your clients, and and you know hopefully something like that leads to referrals for more business. But if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because I I feel better about you know, what I've done to to assist my client.
0: That's not something that shows up um, in a job description. It's not something that he can measure, you know, I made X dollars from vacuuming the floors here. But it does build into this overarching concept of, you know, a great experience which contributes to customer lifetime value.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so, number three is that It's for the leadership to instill across the organization that customer experience is not a department and really uniting the organization, uniting the business around the prioritization of customer experience. And that means communicating it regularly internally and importantly, ensuring that different silos and different teams are motivated to work together. And this very strong theme of customer experience is everyone's responsibility. I think this came up clearly in our episode with Charles at Optus, where they had this mantra of customer experience is everyone's responsibility. And that needs to start with the leadership team communicating that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. That was um, episode number 13 with Charles Weiser. And Optus is one of Australia's biggest telecommunications companies. There's actually a great line from that episode that I really love. And to set the context, it's worth knowing that Charles's job title is the head of customer experience.
1: What makes my job so much easier is um, you know, we have a saying here that everyone's the head of CX, not just Charles Weiser.
0: What that really tells us is it's everybody's responsibility to take ownership of this. And, and that vision needs to be driven by, by the leaders in the organization.
2: Yeah, I love that. And the fourth one from a leadership standpoint is modeling this customer first behavior <laughs> ourselves. So as leaders it's really, really important that we're drinking our own champagne here. And we're not just messaging it out that it's important, but we're living and breathing it as well. And there's some really, really great examples of this where uh, Lawrence from Sumo Salad um, had this side-by-side program where they were spending time in stores and and learning from customers.
0: Yeah, I really like that one too. Um, But actually, one of my favourite examples of this was when we spoke to Robert Spector on episode 31. And he had this great story about Nordstrom. You know, Nordstrom is one of the best shining examples of customer experience in modern times. And this example is, you know, a great way to think about how their leadership models this customer-centric behavior.
1: So one brief story about Blake Nordstrom, one of Bruce's sons, a uh, an older woman in her 80s, a longtime customer, was frustrated with the new Nordstrom credit card and called up Nordstrom and said, I want to speak to customer service. And they put her through to Blake Nordstrom. He answers the phone. He said, Blake Nordstrom. The woman said, is this really Blake Nordstrom? He said, yeah. He, she said, why did you answer the phone? He said, well, I'm sitting in my office and the phone rang. <laughs> so I thought I would pick it up. And he did. And, and he, he, he talked to her. He ended up, uh, she had an issue with the new credit card and he invited her to lunch. And, you know, again, simple stuff, answering the phone picking up a can of soda pop.
0: And so, they're living and breathing the culture of customer service and customer experience. And also, a kind of a side benefit to that is that it shortens the relationship between management and the customer. And so, you can see what's going on at the front line.
2: Great. And then the fifth one was always go for the wins, no matter how small they are. Um, Ideally, quick wins as you're getting started and really celebrate them as a team. So that way, there's this culture around celebrating the wins that are delivering customer experience outcomes.
0: Yeah, and actually, I really loved uh, our discussion with Robert Saronson, where he brought this up, and that's where the inspiration for this point came from. And in the episode, he says that you know you really need those quick wins because they're the ones that are going to get other people to trust in your customer experience strategy, in your roadmap, in your plan. And so it's really about you know building some momentum behind it um, internally, so that people support the CX vision.
2: And then finally, from a leadership standpoint, it's really having a culture of continuous improvement. And really here from a customer experience point of view, it's using metrics and customer feedback as the driver to always be improving. As I like to say, uh, feedback is the breakfast of champions. And so from a leadership <laughs> standpoint, you really want to be using these metrics as a way to not only motivate the team, but importantly, to be going back and seeing where are the areas to improve and closing that loop with the customer and ensuring that then that flywheel has increased momentum of always improving. Okay, great. So that's the leadership element in the flywheel. And to just summarize the six things were, one, know your why and your purpose and communicate that. Two, invest in customer outcomes, which is measured by customer lifetime value. Three, customer experience is not a department. So as a leader, unite the organization around its importance and progress. Four is modeling customer-first behavior yourself. Uh, Five is go for the wins no matter how small and celebrate that with the team. And finally, six, committing to continuous improvement using metrics and customer feedback as the driver to always be improving.
0: Let's dive into element number two, which is the people aspect of our customer experience flywheel. So when we think about people and when we reflected, this was really about You know, having a team that goes above and beyond what's expected of them to deliver, you know, really delightful experiences. So, to run through the six themes here, we'll start off with number one, which fundamentally is about hiring the right people, you know, getting the right team of people on the bus. And one of my favorite examples of this was when we spoke to Dennis Snow from Walt Disney World, and he talked about hiring staff with a service mindset.
1: When somebody says, "What's the in the long term, what's the most important thing that we can do to build a service culture in our organization? If I only had to say one thing uh, in the long term, I'd say, you've got to hire service oriented people because you can't teach somebody who doesn't have a service bone in their body to give great service. You You can take somebody who's wired to give good service and teach them, in this case, the Disney way of delivering that but they've gotta bring the raw material to the table.
2: Yeah, I mean, this came up so often throughout all our episodes, whether it was Sonia at Southwest Airlines or our conversation with Optus, Country Road, Um, it was just such a big theme, like that foundational element of people, which really just starts at hiring, uh, like you say, get the right people on the bus. One of the stories that really stood out for me was Stephen at Mitre 10, you know, and he just really had an obsession with this, right, an obsession with hiring the right people. Um, And one of the things that I loved was that he had an evergreen job ad. So, even if they weren't hiring, they were always looking for great people and he would go out out of his way if he you know had a, a service with someone at an uber or at the fish markets and he thought that they were really great he had a card ready to go saying hey look i think you may be a great employee for us in the future <laughs> and i thought that was really a good example of you know the delivery of great customer experience for these leaders in their mind started with getting the right people on the bus and they had a way of doing that to ensure that they were always recruiting great people
0: point number two was to really focus on having a staff first approach. So this came up in our very first episode with Ray Gillenwater, where he said, put your employees first and your customers second. And I found that really interesting. Let's hear him say it in his own words.
1: This is actually why I think companies that put customers first have it backwards. Uh, This is not a unique philosophy that I've come up with, but it's one I've learned. If you put your customers first at the expense of your employees, that's clearly backwards. And if you put your employees first and you make sure they're happy, they're engaged, they're well paid, they're super detailed, they're focused, then they'll make your customers happy. Because
0: how do you get to to happy customers? Happy employees is where you start. And I mean, I'll be honest, Michael, I wasn't expecting to hear... Uh, on a on a customer experience yes. focused podcast, putting your customers second. And what surprised me is it wasn't just Ray who said this. It came right. up again and again and again. Yes. Brian Winther from Pandora, Kylie Ward, um, Teresa from World Vision, you know, Sonia from Southwest Airlines. This was just something that came up again and again and again. And I guess fundamentally it actually does make sense. You know, if you take care of your internal staff and, and make sure that they're really equipped to deal with um, any challenges they may encounter and that they're well supported and happy and motivated, then, of course, the customers are going to have a great experience. And so, I think that leads really nicely into uh, point number three, which is to build a great culture. And so, this, again, was a really resonant theme from all of the previous episodes. It's about making the staff that are customer-facing the heroes in your business and rewarding them and and making sure that they are really well-supported.
2: Yeah. What was amazing is when we went through the notes, The concept of focusing on building a great culture internally came up in almost every single episode, so it's clear that this is a foundational element to be able to deliver great customer experience. I mean, all our guests mentioned it at some point. We've done a deep dive if you're interested in learning more about culture, the episode 30 with uh, James Dodkins and uh, recently the episode 36 with Steve at Culture Amp. You know, we're really, really great episodes around how is it that you deliver, you know, culture change in the organization and how do you um, set the stage for building a great internal company culture. And I think this is something that we look forward to exploring further on on future episodes because this culture element and having customer facing people as heroes in your business really is a
0: critical element to deliver great customer experience. So, point number four is to invest in ongoing training. And so, if we think about this, you know, we've got the right people on the bus, we have a staff first approach, we built a great culture, and now we need to ensure that we have an ongoing training program so that we can maximize the customer experience output of all of these really great people. And there was kind of two meta subpoints to this. The first is that the training program does need to be ongoing. In episode 32, when we spoke to Nancy Friedman, she talked a lot about, you know, not just doing a once off, you know, February is customer service month kind of program, but actually focusing on training every single day so that you build the team's experience over time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember asking Nancy, I was like, hey, well, you know, how often is a good training program? And then she said, let me ask you a question. Do you brush your teeth every day? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I do. Well, Why should we be trained every day? You know, it shouldn't just be a once off event. It should be ongoing and, you know, spending time listening to calls, looking at where our team are interacting. And it's this sort of like ongoing learning culture, which is inserted into the culture as opposed to training as an event. Training should just be part of business as usual.
0: Yes, indeed. And the second meta point is that really great training is not something that the trainer loves, but it's something that the staff love uh, and something that they feel that they get, you know, one, enjoyment out of, um, but two, they feel like they're being upskilled and they're really supported in what their job is. Number five is having a really high level of trust in your team and also empowering them to be able to make decisions on their own. We saw this attitude was really prevalent at Southwest Airlines, um, you know, one of the world leaders when it comes to customer experience. And uh, when we spoke to Sonia LaCour on episode 38, we talked a lot about how they have this great culture which fosters employee empowerment. I mean, basically, It was, if you're acting in the best interests of the customer, then you're always right. Let's hear her tell the story.
1: Early
2: in my career, the advice that was given to me as a brand new leader was, Sonia, I will never call you and ask you why you did too much for someone, but I will very likely call you and ask you why you did not do
0: enough. And so, I really love that because, it you know, it shows that there's this support for the team, but it also actually usually is going to end up in a better customer outcome in the end.
2: Yeah, no, I love this. And I love the conversation with Brian at Pandora as well, where, you know, they had a big focus on practical empowerment for store managers. And when the store managers and the team were empowered, well, then the natural output of that is that the team genuinely care about the output and the experience. And so, it's like the input here is you giving your people the trust and the empowerment and the output is that they will actually increase their levels of care factor
0: uh, in delivery because they've been trusted to be able to deliver that. And number six is it's showtime, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, go for that wow factor. The, the goal really here for, for your people is to create really amazing memories for customers. Uh, this came up a number of times. Obviously, Walt Disney World is is you know a shining example of this. But also in our last episode with world class fine dining chef Neil Perry, you know in his fine dining establishments as well as his quick service restaurant business, his team has a really strong focus on creating great memories. And and there's kind of like this aspect of performance I think to customer experience. Sometimes again the the Disney example um, there's there's an on stage and an off stage side of things. Um, and and so no which of those uh, you're in. Um, You know, if you're backstage, uh, you don't want the customer to see those backstage things where, you know, your stockroom might be messy or you're out of costume or whatever it is. You want them to have a bit of magic and feel dazzled. And so, when you're on stage, make that performance count. So, just to sum up flywheel element number two, which is people. Point number one is make sure you have the right people on the bus number two is have a staff first approach to customer experience three is build a great internal culture four invest in ongoing training five trust and empower your staff and number six make sure you put on a magical show go for that wow factor
2: So let's uh, transition to flywheel element number three, which is the process. So this is where the nitty and gritty engine room lies. So if we've got uh, leadership giving the overall direction and clear on the purpose and we've got the right people on board and they're within a great culture and they're empowered we need all the processes <laughs> to actually make this stuff come together so the first point here is make it seamless so that absolutely has to be the goal in anything we create when we think about processes is to make it seamless for the customer or you know remove friction and i think this is something that we heard Frequently throughout the episode, I think, you know, James Dodkins uh, in episode 29 was basically saying, let's be obsessive about ways to remove friction from the customer experience.
1: Looking to minimize the touch points. Now, this isn't necessarily true across the board, but in general, if you can deliver the same or a better outcome with less interaction with the customer, which is a little bit counterintuitive, that is better for the customer.
2: So, point two is a bit of a meta point, which is, how do you go about building all these processes so this is something that we'll continue to unpack and we'll keep this point a bit of an as an evergreen point but really this is where you want to leverage a range of great methodologies um, to build great processes and, you know, visualize it and document where you can. So, um, as the sort of sub-point here, we talked about design thinking in an episode, when to use customer journey maps, how to think about service blueprints, how to have a great customer success model, <laughs> what are the processes for your sales team to make sure that that's customer centric?
0: Yeah. And we've done deep dives into each of these topics if you're interested in checking them out. Um, if you're looking for design thinking, that was episode number 20. Customer journey maps, a really great episode. That was number 29. Service blueprints was episode 22. Customer success models was episode 33. And uh, customer centric sales, another blockbuster episode with Yako, uh, was on episode 35.
2: Right, and all these things are just examples of, you know, how to use great methodologies and processes and to insert that into the right points of the customer journey and actually building out that customer journey, there's a whole stack to leverage. So we have whole episodes dedicated to these and we'll continue to build those out. The third one is investing in clear customer communications and setting really precise expectations around these processes and expectations. It's actually something that comes up quite often where someone has a poor customer experience because something has been poorly explained to them or they say, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. (laughs) You know, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm gonna get a call in three days time? Does that mean that you're gonna get back to me in three hours? And so I think we're gonna have these processes and we're gonna continue to refine them to remove friction and make them better. But there's a lot that can be done by just investing in great, clear customer communications.
0: Yeah, and a really great example of this um, was when we spoke to Nancy Friedman and and she... She schooled me. (laughs) (laughs) She did. She schooled me on this topic. That was a fun episode. You know what, actually? Let's listen to that clip. This is from episode number 32, where we were talking about handling complaints like a pro and how to communicate more clearly with your customers. And so, in the clip, we're going to hear Nancy and you, Michael, having a bit of banter. Um, It actually starts off with you, Michael, explaining how you would respond to a customer call. And uh, Nancy calls you out on an important detail. And it sounds
2: like a big part of it also is actually just being honest about what's happening, so then the customer can have empathy for what the situation is. So you using the previous example and saying, actually, Nancy's at the doctor's right now, and you know, blah 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 blah. How can I help? Well, then all of a sudden, I'm not frustrated that I can't speak to Nancy because, of course, she's a human and she's allowed to go to the doctor. (laughs) Or you know, I really want to help you here. Actually, the information that you need is in a bunch of different systems, and I've got to like check with this other guy. In my experience, that takes you know about an hour or two. You know, I don't want to keep you waiting. Like, let me go work on this. It's a top priority for me, and I'll call you back straight away as opposed to, you know, leave that with me and, uh, you know, we'll get back to you.
1: I I have a question for you. What do you mean by straight away? If I was interviewing you, I would say Now you just said straight away. That has no time limit to it. It has no functionality to it. It could be straight away. It could be three days from now. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad at all. I just don't know. You're
2: right. It's it's basically being clear about expectations in all our little... Because what happens is in our vocabulary, we use these filler type words and they actually mean different things for different people. And straight away means to me that you are a high priority and I'm going to get to this in my highest bit of priority. But actually, it's good point. Like straight away for me could be next day, but straight away for someone else could be in an hour and therefore we all of a sudden have a missed expectation. So, what's probably best is saying, and I will call you back or I'll get back to this before, you know, 3 p.m. today (laughs) or whatever it may be.
1: You want to exceed their expectations. So, putting a deadline on you allows you failure. So, we don't suggest that. We ask them, when do you need it? And 8 out of 10 times somebody say, well, I'm going on vacation. I won't need this till um, November 7th. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness, you're going to break your neck straight away and go find something. I love this. This
2: is like live live coaching session from Nancy.
0: So, yes, that was a fun episode. The thing that I learned from that is sometimes it's okay just to ask the, the really obvious question, you know, when do you need this thing by? Or like, you know, um, if a customer complaining about something, what would make this right for you? You know, what can I do to make this right? Um, and rather than trying to figure out what it is that the customer is trying to, to, to resolve here, sometimes it's easy just to ask and, and have that really open communication.
2: And the fourth point here is when you have these processes and policies and procedures, let's make them visual, document it, make sure that your processes are clear for everyone internally, and there's a range of different methods that you can do this.
0: Yeah, and this came up in a lot of our discussions about, you know, the the tools and methodologies you can use, things like service blueprints or customer journey maps. The advice from Janine Pawson and Annette Franz, respectively, was, you know, make these look beautiful and put them up on the wall so that people can see them and understand them and and buy into them um it's it's you know one thing to do all the work to develop a great process but if nobody sees it it's it's really hard to build you know a team culture around it so make it shine and get people involved the fifth one
2: is leverage technology to understand and measure the customer experience it's the classic Drucker comment is what gets measured gets managed and I think this is really important. If we're going to be serious about customer experience, we need to measure it throughout their interaction and their journey with us and make sure that we've got a really good understanding of not just the score and the measurement but we understand what's driving that, what's the why that sits behind those scores and clearly this is where you can use great voice of the customer tools uh, like Rated and many others to get the best view of how your customers feel at every interaction with you. And finally, number six, which is where the flywheel ends and starts again. And probably the most important one is building actions to improve. So that's great that we've got these metrics and we've got survey data and we can understand what the customer is feeling. But we need to make sure that we bolt that on with actions that are implemented. Uh, and then going back to measure, re-measure, right? So we've, we've done these things to improve. Let's make sure that the scoreboard is moving, which will ultimately result in greater revenue improvements over time as well.
0: Yeah, and there were a few really great examples of this. One was our interview with you, Michael, where we talked about measuring and improving based on the data. So, that was episode number 37. Another one that I really liked was our interview with Steve Hopkins from Culture Amp. Um, that was episode 36. And uh, on that discussion, we talked a lot about this methodology that they have internally for continuous improvement. And there was four steps to it. Step number one was gather great data. Two was, you know, dissect it to find the insights from it. But the real impact came from steps three and four. So, step three was acting on the insights and actually putting in the work to make the improvements and, you know, that's one of the hard parts. And step 4 is remeasuring afterwards to see if what you did worked, which is part of what makes the improvement a continual and ongoing process. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So just to summarize the third and final element in the flywheel, which is processes. Uh, number 1 is the goal is to make them seamless. Number two is leverage all the great methodologies that are out there to build great processes. Number three is invest in clear customer communications and setting precise expectations of these processes. Uh, number four is visualize this stuff. you know, visualize and document um, these processes. Number five is leverage technology to understand and measure what the customer experiences through their different interactions with you. And finally, number six is build an action plan to make sure that you're always improving to ultimately move not only the CX needle, but all your other business metrics as well.
0: So, in summary, we have a leadership element, a people element, and a process element that form kind of the exterior of, of this flywheel, and, and they're going around in a circle, and, and they revolve around the customer in the middle. And really, what those three elements really need to do is to support the customer in, in their goals and in their endeavors. We've come up with uh, this model, the customer experience flywheel, to basically be that blueprint, that guide in how organizations can uh, improve their customer experience.
2: Now this was a lot of fun and I think what I really loved um, about this process, we invested a lot of time into this. It wasn't just like Adam or I sat in a room and we thought of, you know, what's, what's the best model and here's 10 tips that you need to do to improve your customer experience. You know, we went through the transcripts, we listened to our episodes and, you know, these are leaders in their field, right? You know, these are people who know how to deliver a great customer experience all the time and it was a lot of fun to unpack it all and sort of sum it up in one nice neat package. Great. So that's a summary of what we have learned from the last 40 episodes speaking to world-class customer experience leaders. Just as a reminder, if you want to get the visual overview of this and you know all that documented points, go to ratedapp.com forward slash flywheel. That's dot com
0: forward slash flywheel. And all the info from this episode will be there. And we'll also pop a copy of that link in the episode show notes. Well, Michael, this was a lot of fun. Uh, So, I very much look forward to the next 40 episodes. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs)
2: Great. Thanks for listening. Look forward to speaking to you next time. See ya. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Customer Experience Leaders is produced by RateIt. RateIt wants to give every business the power to make their customer experience awesome. And that's why they've built an easy and delightful way to capture customer feedback in a way that feels like a conversation, not a survey form. So, if you want to understand your customer experience better, you can get started by heading to the website ratedapp.com. That's rateitapp.com. That's R-A-T-E-I-T-A-P-P dot This podcast is made in partnership with Wavelength Creative. This episode was produced and edited by me, Adam Jaffrey, and it was edited and mixed by Christopher Lawson. Our theme music is by iColics, Peter Cooley and The Shrugs. And finally, a quick note, Michael, myself and the Customer Experience Leaders team are working on a few exciting announcements right now. And because of that, we're going to be temporarily dialing back the frequency of this show to once per month. But don't worry, we'll be back to our regular schedule in just a couple of months. Until then, I'm Adam Jaffrey, and I'll speak to you next month.